What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Crypto Commission podcast. We are pumped for today's episode. Our guest is Mims, and Mims talks about the, the journey of going from a number one selling artist, number one on the billboard charts, to a tech entrepreneur launching an ICO and going through that whole process. It's incredibly inspirational, and any of you who have an entrepreneurial spirit, you're going to want to give this a listen. Uh, guys, we'd love for you to find us on iTunes at the Crypto Commission podcast. Leave us a five-star rating so that we can get this podcast out, and also leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can also engage with us on Twitter. Our handle is at Let's Talk Coin. Give us a follow, like some of our shit posts. Uh, we're here to have a good time. And also, we are launching a Telegram. So uh, as you join our Telegram, you'll get updates, whether it's charts, market sentiment, uh, just overall thoughts on, on where we're headed. Um, and feel free to let us know what you would like to see. Our goal is to provide content for traders at all levels. And we want to know what you guys are looking for uh, pretty soon you will have a new YouTube channel that we're coming out with called Crypto Live, where we'll be featuring leaders in the space. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a Q&A and interview style format uh, where everyone that is on the live stream will have the ability to also chime in with questions that we can ask that can benefit us. Because uh, for us, we know as entrepreneurs, the best way to learn how to find success is to follow in the footsteps of those who have found it. So anyways, guys, our Telegram channel is t.me. Uh, forward slash crypto underscore commission. Subscribe there for more information. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to go ahead and kick this episode off. Episode six of the Crypto Commission podcast with our special guest, Mims. Welcome to the Crypto Commission podcast. Here are your hosts, Lambo Leo and the Bitcoin Broski. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Crypto Commission podcast. Uh, we are pumped for today's episode. Uh, just going back to my roots as a hip hop head, uh, today's conversation is one that I've been looking forward to since we were able to to get Mims booked on the show here. So um, I, of course, am the Bitcoin Broski here with my co-host Lambo Leo. What's going on, guys? I'm also excited for this episode. We have Mims as our guest. Uh, what's going on, Mims? Lambo Leo, what's up, my brother? Not much, man. Bitcoin Broski, what's going on? I need a, I need a cool tag name like that. You guys can't leave me out the, uh, you know, out the loop. We'll get you on. Well, it's, it's maybe you know, mining mems. Name, you know, mining mining mems. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, mems. We usually like just like to kick things off, getting people's genesis story. Um, and I know yours kind of yours stretches a, a couple of di different industries. So, what I'd love to hear is just your evolution into Mims the rapper and how that transitioned into uh, Mims the the entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, pretty long story. So I hope you got time. We got time, man. We got time. Um, I'll get my popcorn. So, I mean, essentially, you know, I, I uh, my, my career actually got started. Well, not started, but, you know, I, I found a love for music when I was around 13 years old. Uh, before my mom, my mom had passed away when I was 13, but before she passed away, she bought me a, a turntable system. Um, and, you know, I, I got my love for actually playing music and then just kind of listening to it over and over again, DJing. And then I said I wanted to produce. And eventually that turned into writing, producing, being an artist. Uh, and then uh, one, one day someone came along and said, hey, you know, I like that you do a lot of things, but you never want to be the jack of all trades and the king of none. You should just focus on being a rapper. Um, so this is like I was fresh out of high school. And I was like, you know, uh, all right, let's give this a shot. And I signed my first deal probably when I was around 18 years old. 
And little did I know that I would have like this like this big six year starving artist period where where uh, you know nothing would kind of accumulate for me. Um, and uh, can I, I ask a question about that just to jump in real quick? Talk to me. So that starving artist period. What was the one thing that you'd say you learned most about yourself in that six years? You know what? I'll tell you. That was the most fun I ever had in life in general. I mean, you, you don't realize it when when things start to take off and you become super successful in, 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 you know, in the world of finances, what, what people consider financial success. But that, around that time, you know, you're doing it based on the love and you're doing it based on the dream. And, and I think for me, it's the most fun because you're, you're going out every night trying to convince people to like you. And that's essentially what you do as an artist. And um, it, it's, it's crazy because I, I guess I don't want to fast forward too much from the story, but if you look at my career in this transition, um, you know, I had one of the biggest records in 2007 uh, called yeah. This Is Why I'm Hot, obviously. And uh, and it's funny how you go from being the most loved in certain arenas to sometimes being the most hated, you know, in, in no time, just based on the fact that the record was playing so much. So I think that for me, the most fun I ever had was during my starving artist period where I didn't have a care in the world. It wasn't it was nothing but obviously let's go out and have fun tonight. So, so then you got your break right uh, after those six years, and then and then how did it go? Yeah, so uh, so you know we, we it was a long six year period of grinding out, uh, going on tour. Uh, I was I was I actually got to tour with Method Man like, mm. in 2004, which was a great experience for me because because I got to actually see uh, different parts of the United States by being on tour. It's my first time really traveling to the south, traveling to the east, I mean, the west coast, being from the east coast. And um, and, if, and it's funny because if you listen to the first opening lines of This Is Why I'm Hot, the first verse, I kind of do a roll call with all the areas that I actually visited during that tour. And that would be what made that song end up being so popular, that including the samples that I had to pay a lot of money for. <laughs> um, so, so um, you know, that, that that period was long, but 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 when things took off, uh, they shot up like a rocket, man. And, uh, you know, 2006, 2007, I had one of the biggest years in, in I guess, music history, being an independent artist, uh, going from, I think we did like a jump on Billboard Hot 100 from like, I don't know what number it was, all the way up to, 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 to one, yeah. um, which was one of the biggest jumps in history at the time. So I'm on cloud nine. I'm riding the cloud. I'm, you know, I, the label's calling me saying, uh, First week sales on the album when it's released is projected at eighty thousand units. Uh, the, the 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 single is moving. I think a quarter of a million a week. Uh, I mean that year alone, I think we grossed about sixteen anywhere between sixteen to eighteen million. Wow. And and then this is That's where huge. this is where my life shifted, and I'll tell you why. Um, that year was, was such a successful year, great year for me. I toured the world. I did a lot. But when I came down and got back into like going into second album mode i got my first royalty check or i got my first check from the lady and i was like uh i mean the first check i ever got was like 40 grand out of this 18 million dollars that i've accumulated i got a forty thousand dollar check and i'm like this doesn't really make any sense um so i kind of went into i guess what you call not not a depression but more or less like like i felt like everything that i've done in my career up being independent you know, um, falling in love with music because obviously my mom gifted me this turntable set before she passed away. Yeah. I felt like the, the record labels 
didn't value me as an artist. They didn't value me as a uh, as a creative uh, being or whatever the case is. And and that really just made me feel like I would I never wanted to, to create music again. I didn't want to create music for the masses because if this is what what was at the end of my rainbow, it didn't it didn't really make sense for me. Um, right. So I actually went in. We, we started recording the second album. But I wanted to be released from my label, um, and and I remember having you know multiple calls with the head of the labels saying, "Look, guys, like you you've gotten what you needed out of me. Um, it, you know, obviously this relationship isn't reciprocated because from a financial standpoint, you guys weren't prepared to take care of me. Um, I want off, and and you know I remember them saying, "Oh, we don't want you to, to leave. We want to make you happy. Let's figure out a way to make it work." And it just never happened. And then um, I ended up going into a seven year litigation against them, you know, taking them to court, trying to get things straightened out. Um, and that was just a long, tedious process. And, you know, this is around the time where people were asking, even though I released the second album, people were asking them, what happened to you? You know, are you some type of one hit wonder? Mm. Uh, when are you going to come back out with more music? And what they don't realize is that even though I'm an artist and and there's a huge label behind me pushing out music. They don't see that. They just see the artist side of it. So they see the the the, the success and the failures, and they usually blame that on the artist. Right. Um, and instead of me being like the, uh, I guess the rebellious artist, more or less at the time, I just kind of took everything on the chin. I went back into my cave. I disappeared, and then I just started contemplating different ways that I could actually, you know, uh, attack as a, not only a businessman but uh, just try to do something for, for my culture music that would actually help it. Um, so that transition from, I think, 2009 or 2008, 2009, when we started the litigation, all the way up until like 2012, 13, um, I, my, part, my business partner and I, being on, still on the, on the road, making good money, obviously, you know, um, we started thinking of ideas that we can like infiltrate the tech space in the tech world. Um, and... Uh, I remember vividly, I was flying to uh, San Fran for a show and I had this idea in my mind about an app. And I was like, well, let's call some of these VCs up. Let's see if I can get some of the doors open. And I remember it was probably like the biggest crickets moment of my life. I, <laughs> I couldn't get anyone to like, you know, uh, pay attention to me. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can't, if, if, if I can be so creative in this space, why can't I infiltrate the tech space and why can't I be a part of it? Um, and I think that that's when I really kind of like accepted the role of let me take a step back as a musician and let me full fledged throw myself into the tech space and try to figure out how I can how I can be a part of this ever so happening uh, bubble of greatness, I guess. Um, so uh, so just to jump in with that. So with the tech space, the music industry, what are some major contrasts that you saw in, in how how those businesses run? Well, you know, in the beginning, I thought that they were the polar opposites. I thought that the two businesses, um, even though, even though business is business in all realms, mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't really see a correlation between tech and 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 music at the time. Um, so I thought that me being a celebrity coming from the music industry would open up more doors for me in the tech space because I didn't realize how vast it was. I didn't realize how much money people were making in the tech space and. And why they didn't care about some, you know, some artists from New York City that right. that uh, generated eighteen million dollars, because th these guys are, are dealing with, you know, hundreds of millions and billions yeah. of dollars. 
Um, but but as I've gotten into it, I realized that there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. Um, no different from from a record deal. And and I and I'll explain you know my example. As an artist, you start off as like that starving artist stage. You you build your career. You create your music. Um, you with hopes to get signed to a label. Uh, you do get signed to a label, whether you're successful or not depends on uh, obviously many different circumstances. But if you is if you are successful. You go on to have a fruitful career, put out many records, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I look at tech space kind of similar. You know, you're a startup, you bootstrap, you put your own money into your project. Um, and eventually you'll, you'll find someone who wants to seed fund you. Um, and then that goes from series uh, seed funding, series A, series B, which is more or less like you're, uh, I guess, your pinnacle. But, but here's the correlation between the two, especially as it relates to my career. Most companies in the tech space when they get to that series B, series C round or whatever fundraising IPO, a lot of the original founders get nothing out of it because they've already given up most of their equity. And yes. it's the same as a musician. Like by the time you get to that point in, in your career, you, you kind of look back and you've been cheated so much that you're kind of like, uh, what was the point of this? So um, a lot of similarities. Yeah. So, so uh, it's good. yeah. So could you go in and tell us a little bit how you got into crypto? So, so uh, first of all, crypto has been like, you know, obviously, if you like, if you're in the, the tech space, more or less, it's, it's been the thing that's been whispered around for many, many years. Uh, I remember back in, I want to say it was either 13 or 14, um, you know, a few, several people were hitting me up like, oh, man, you should invest in Bitcoin, put money into this thing. And I'm like, but what is this? I, you know, I, I don't know what this is. I don't want to. I mean, I, I don't I didn't know anything about it. No, anything of what it was, what it did what his functionality was. I just knew that people were saying, put money into it. And I'm like, well, where's the value in it? Um, and I kind of swept it under the rug. I didn't really kind of pay attention to it. Um, we were in, we were in New York at the time during TechCrunch and we actually won TechCrunch to strap yeah. uh, my, my company, which is obviously another story. And, um, I can remember like we got thousands of calls after winning TechCrunch, you know, like, um, you guys, congratulations. I mean, there were people trying to write us checks for, for on the floor for, for uh, the startup that we, we uh, have. And um, a friend of mine reached out from Dubai and was like, look, guys, I, you know, you guys are doing music tech. Have you ever considered like like implementing blockchain technology? Um, and he was super excited at the time. Um, and I, I was like, well, what does this mean? What is blockchain technology? And at this time, everybody was talking ICO, ICO, mm -hmm. this ICO craze. And I'm like, well, it sounds too good to be true. What, what does this mean? Um, I, I can build this technology, but not have to have uh, deal with series A, series B, series, you know, right. funding rounds. I said, this sounds way too good to be true. And I'm a, I'm a very uh, investigative person. So I'm like, if you tell me something that's especially too good to be true, especially since I've been cheated, in a lot of atmospheres in my life, I said, I'm going to do my research. So um, I kind of took like maybe a, a good month, 30 days to really just dig in, dive in, YouTube here, uh, uh, Google this, and really just kind of figure out what the basis of, uh, of, of uh, crypto was at first. And then this word blockchain kept popping up, blockchain, blockchain. And I'm like, well, blockchain is what powers most of, most of the crypto and most of these tokens. Well, let me learn about this, this, uh, this, obviously what this blockchain thing is. And I started realizing for what I'm trying to do on the music side with the app. And, and I, I, was, I was trying to uh, 
democratize the reporting process, which is mm-hmm. what the app does. The other side of it, which is where I've been most cheated in my life, was the transparency on the payment side. So I'm like, well, how can I implement the two and, and really kind of create this powerhouse for the music industry? Um, and I'll I tell you, when I dived into understanding what blockchain was, I'm like, this is the perfect solution. This is really what is, is necessary um, uh, you know, to kind of give people that, that leap of faith, especially in the music industry. So you know, that's why I'm here now. It, it was a long process, especially um, creating our own token and launching it. Because obviously being American citizens, you know, mm-hmm. obviously you guys know, it's, there's a lot of things that you have to figure out. There's a lot of things you have to be compliant with. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to just go out there, put my name on something um, and, and then have it blow up in my face later on. So um, unlike a lot of other projects, what the things that we've done different is we've taken our time. Like we're still taking our time and doing and trying to do it the right way. With, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, the misconception is with ICOs, they assume that it's kind of a cash grab, right? And Absolutely. the way that you describe it, uh, I'd, I'd like for you to go into more detail as to what your thought process is going into an ICO. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, being that you, you've completed one successfully, you've launched mm-hmm. a product, uh, I think it would benefit a lot of people to hear what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I'm, I have mixed emotions. So, I mean, when you, when you learn the space and then when you get to the point where, so... I get it. To many people, obviously, on the flip side, you know, I'll I'll, I'll discuss both sides. Um, When I first got introduced to the whole ICO thing, I'm like, okay, um, this makes sense because we were in the process of trying to get into a Series A round. We we did a a million dollar seed fund and we were trying to, we we obviously won TechCrunch. We had a lot of people committing to to bringing money in. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, Oh, you know, the name of the game in that space is everybody wants a board seat. Everybody wants this percentage. Everybody yeah. kind of wants to be all in the cookie jar. And really, the only people who lose from it are the co-founders. Right. Um, so so originally when it was introduced to me, it was like, OK, this is this is perfect because it, it allow us freedom. It allows the finances to do what we need to do, but also the freedom to say that we that we can hold on to what we believe in and dream in and not just give it up to somebody who cares nothing about it more than just making a cash return. Right. Um, and as, as great as it was and it sounded, the, the biggest problem was that every day you pick up, you, you, you uh, open up the uh, news and you see this person gets in trouble, this person may be arrested, SEC cracks down on this guy. And it becomes one of those things where, well, am I risking my freedom to kind of do what I feel is right in my, in my, uh, in my music space? Um, and that becomes a question. So you start questioning, okay, well, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do this if I'm not doing it the right way. So how do we figure out how to do it the right way? And one of the biggest issues in, in the, uh, obviously the crypto ICO space is you have to hire proper attorneys and it's expensive. So it's still a cash 22. I have to pay attorneys hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars to give me an opinion on how I could. So yeah. it, it, it became one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Uh, I got to really, really like take a, a, a fall back and really understand this industry, and figure it out. Um, so so now get back to the other side of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of there are, there are a lot of scans out there. I've been on the road, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing for about a year now, um, going to different conferences, seeing different people speak about their products. And 
I think I've gotten to the point now where I don't want to curse on, on uh, your podcast. But hey, I've fine. Gotten... We're, we're rated explicit. You can say oh, whatever. Good. I've gotten to the point now where you see so much bullshit in, this, in, the, in the space where you're like, you could just tell, like, when this person starts talking, uh, okay, your idea is what? And you're doing what? Okay, that's bullshit. Um, and it's upsetting because what happens is people like me and, and my team and other, other uh, token generation events or ICOs out there that are really trying to change their industries or their spaces, you know, we get uh, bombarded by obviously people saying, well, I invested in this past music project and they haven't done anything. So why would I, you know, why would I uh, buy into your token or why would I put money into your token? So um, you kind of see it from both sides and and, and, and it, it destroys it. And I think that there's obviously going to be a great balance in it. But, uh, you know, um, it's, a, it's a two-sided issue, as you may know. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, and I think that it gives everyone that wouldn't normally get the opportunity to kind of act like a VC. You know, if you look at most of these venture capital firms, uh, whether it's an ICO or a traditional business, they understand that the majority of their investments aren't going to pan out, you know, absolutely. but you're going to, you're going to get those one or two flyers that just run and you let them run. Right. So, uh, it is. I mean, it's the, like you said, it's the catch 22. You got the people that they can see it one way, but not the other. But I, I like hearing the perspective of you behind the scenes because, I mean, it is really just about funding your passion. You know, it's not it's not that you're just trying to take the money and run. Right. If you're truly an entrepreneur and people do their research, they can see that there is a solid team that wants to build a product or uh, you know, they've got a service that they want to provide. So anybody, anybody still trying to do uh, ICOs or TGEs, as we call it right now. Uh, the, the take your money and run happened last year. Yeah. Uh, this year is a, is a, it's a lot more difficult. It's a, it's a harder space to navigate through. Um, you know, you're not, you're not nearly talking about as much money being raised per, per, per company, per situation as you, as you may have, you know, some of these companies were, were in the billions valued in the billions yeah. last year. So uh, I don't think that's, I don't see that happening um, this year. Well, and right the, the article that just came out, uh, I think Venture Coinist, Luke Martin posted it on Twitter about FBG Group and their strategy in investing. Uh, I think that that coming and starting to come to light more and more, it's uh, it's good because it's, it's showing people behind the scenes what some of these crypto VCs are doing and how they're manipulating certain prices as they go into ICOs, which make which it will make it more difficult. And um you know, I think that for me as just someone who I, I don't invest in ICOs, right? I, mm -hmm. You know, whether or not I have the funds to, I like to see things launch on the open market, see how people receive them, and then I'll, I'll play them there. But um, it, 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 makes it, it makes me feel better about the space. It seems that, you know, it should be, it should be difficult. Like it shouldn't be yeah, easy to raise yeah. 50 mil, you know? Absolutely. You, you know what I've learned too in my, in my ventures, especially we, we spent a month in Asia um, this past month. And what <laughs> I've learned is that, what I've learned is that it's no longer, I mean, let's be candid here. I'll, I'll be extremely candid. I hope the SEC isn't listening. <laughs> the, problem, the problem with the space, especially when you're doing ICOs, is that you have people who want to purchase tokens, mm -hmm. but the number one question they want to know is, when are you hitting an exchange? Yep. When are you going to be on an exchange? When blah, 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 blah. And yeah, exactly. And, 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 I, and I get it. I get it. Everybody wants to make money. There's, there's, a, there's a position for everyone in this business. So I completely understand. The, the, the problem is, is that um, it, there's ways for every company to, to, to just launch something and get on, get on an exchange and then hype it up and then, and then disappear. Yeah. Um, so, so for those people who want that, 
you can tell that they really just want to to to, to pump and dump, as they say. Yep. Um, I, I think what what the hardest part for us as a, as a company is finding the people who actually believe in what we're doing, and that's the, that's the thing. It's, it's it's a needle in a haystack because there's a lot of people getting into the crypto space, but yep. there aren't a lot of people who actually believe in what they're actually putting their money into. You know, so so really they're just doing it because they heard from from the grapevine that that uh that th these guys like you said they're gonna be listed on Binance or yep. whatever the case is and they just want to get their quick money. I understand, I get it. Life, life sometimes you you want to be in position to make good money choices and they've done it yep. in, on Wall Street all day long. So right, um, you know, but yeah, that usually happens second where you get bit in the ass and you're like, wait, I got to figure out what I'm doing here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I learned, you know, what's crazy. I actually learned about crypto by losing money. Oh, the yeah. greatest lesson in life. That's, that's Always. the easiest way to learn. Always. Um, losing money listen. sticks with you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've lost money in stocks. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I tried to play that, that game many years ago and I didn't understand it, um, but I never took the time to figure it out. But with, with crypto, when I first got in, I got in as a trader. I try to be a trader. I wasn't that great at it. It's not um, easy. Not not at all. No. Um, I, I remember I I, um, I I started off with let's just say I, I put my business out there, but I started off with like a minimal investment, it was a few thousand dollars. And um, I remember one day waking up and that few thousand dollars, like I don't I don't know what I I was just literally on Bittrex trading tokens. I didn't know what I was buying. I didn't, I was looking at the charts trying to figure out. What the heck is going on? <laughs> and uh, one day I woke up and I kid you not, I, I had forex in an overnight, and I'm like, wow, you know. So so you you get a little. This is like, easy. Exactly. <laughs> so you're like, oh man, this is forex. I said, okay, cool. So what should I do? Should I should I like take my original investment out, play with the house money? I'm like, you know, I'm I'm Vegas man. <laughs> let it ride. Let it ride. I woke up the next morning. I had uh, uh, I guess one one eighth i'm assuming or one sixteenth of that so i had not only gone down but i but I, I lost money and i was like okay i get it this is <laughs> this, this is not this is not the game you want to play around and let things ride out you, you know so um hard lesson to learn but 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 uh but i've learned i've learned it's cheaper than college you know absolutely <laughs> That's a, yeah, a different topic entirely. Well, you know, man, when we get people on here, one of the things that we always like to know, um, because this space is vast and there's a lot of components to it, what's one thing that you that you absolutely love about crypto? Um, I mean, cr crypto in, in general or probably more blockchain, mm -hmm. the actual technology. Um, I think that w when you listen to my story about being cheated from, from my record label yeah. and you listen to the fact that that you could have I mean, I'll take it back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a grown man now. But at the time of my career taking off, I was still a young, young, I guess, adolescent. I don't know if you want to consider it. Um, and when you have people who could even remotely care to cheat someone that was in my age group who can sit at the top of a label and say, okay, we're going to cheat this person out of so much money. Um, you're not cheating a person. You're cheating a child with a dream. And I think that, for me, the, the biggest gift that we have with, with blockchain is, is the transparency factor. Mm. Is the fact that, I mean, it's a gift and a curse. So, so I, sure. I, I noticed the curse aspect of, of transparency. But the gift is, is that if someone actually puts time and effort into their craft, 
such as music or painting or whatever, anything that relates to IP rights, um, you want to know where your money's coming from and, 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 and how much you're making. You should. You should be entitled to that because it's something as simple as that. It's not going to hurt or change anyone else's uh, 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 mind frame. And I think that that's what I appreciate the most about block about blockchain and anybody who has uh or is building a token or has crypto that's based on transparency depending on what it is um i'm i'm, I'm always willing to kind of look to you know to see if it's beneficial for me absolutely so uh on the flip side of that yeah what's one thing in the space that um that you don't like hate's Ooh, a strong word yeah no i could say hate you could say hate you could say hate. Um, you could say hate. Sling it. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, this is probably gonna get me in a lot of trouble, and I hope that um, you know, I hate the, I hate the conferences. Um, I hate. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you why. Um, I, I don't want to get in any trouble. I've I've had some great people include mm-hmm. us in their conferences and 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 um and help us out along the way, and I respect it. The problem I I, I have is that, and and I respect anyone's hustle, is that there's a lot of people in this space that they want to charge you to be around um, the money, as they say. And and I get it if it's true and everyone needs to get their piece of life. I get it. But but most of the time, 99 or 98% of the times, anyone in this space is saying, hey, send me $10,000 worth of Bitcoin and you can speak at my panel or my event and we're going to have X, Y, and Z uh, 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 capital group there and this person who's who's the main, the biggest crypto holder and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize that I don't even know if these guys are real. If they're just hiring actors to come to these events and pretend like they're, they're you know, like, yeah. like they're big shots. And so I probably, as much as I love, I've loved being on the road, I probably hate the fact of knowing that 98% of the conferences I've attended have been scams and a little Fake. bit sleazy yeah exactly really sleazy so yeah wow so we, i mean we're we're actually going to uh the voices of blockchain conference Not anymore. at the end of this month <laughs> oh, um, but no it's, that, it, that, it's that's in um was that in, in, in um chicago chicago, oh, chicago. yeah okay, okay. yeah but it, it's mostly just to network i mean for us like when we're going obviously we don't have uh, a project to to showcase um, we're just going to meet like-minded people and kind of get around it. Um, being in South Florida, dude, South Florida is like the crypto desert when it comes to meetups down here. It's, you know, I mean, I there's guess one maybe, in Dece- there's one in December. Well, yeah, we've got the, the, the blockchain conference down here. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I'll be coming to that. So uh, good, man. Cool. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, well, I, I spoke to the actual, uh, curator of the event, or the, the, uh, person was putting it on. So I'm hoping, uh, they're not mad at me for my last comments. <laughs> they're not. They can't all be bad, right? You said ninety-eight percent. Ninety-eight percent. That's right. <laughs> Gotta hedge your hedge your bets. I, I left my political two uh, percent in there. That's it, man. Yeah. So let's get into a, a better topic. What do you love about the space? Um. Oh, well, like like I said before. I mean, the, the the best thing for me is the transparency. Um. I I think also one of the things that I appreciate and admire about the space is that. There are some really genuine people who were really genuinely trying to change uh, people's lives, um, and and some people who obviously have become overnight uh, crypto millionaires, as they may say, who have a better spirit than some of these uh, corporations do that exist out there. 
Um, and I think that, that that one or two, a sprinkle of one or two good people in crypto space could could uh, could help change a lot of different things um, outside of the space. And, um, you know, I, I think that when you look at certain areas in this world or certain countries in this world that 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 don't necessarily have the best governments, um, don't necessarily have the best financial structures, uh, as long as people are doing the right thing. I think that crypto could could certainly help out a lot of these nations that that suffer. So. Yeah, like Venezuela, maybe. Yeah, well, like I don't know. I, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, <sighs> it's. I mean, anywhere there's any kind of crazy inflation, is you know, yeah, crypto is obviously this, a good. It's something to look at, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, and you and you <clears> just pray because once again, my my point to say is that I I don't know anyone's heart. Uh, I know that some people have launched because they saw the big payday and they see the big payday in, in, the, in the beginning and then they, they launched these tokens. I just hope that the people who are behind it aren't aren't just, you know, rubbing their palms together when it's all said and done. Yeah, so. there's yeah, always going to be those people. There's always going to be those people. But you just like, I mean, you know, we know you could see those people. You know who they are. Yeah. The see market always bring the bad actors out, you know, um. So being that you've, you've had the experiences that you've had, uh, one thing that would be awesome to hear is, I, I know you, you delved a little bit into trading and you realized you weren't that good at it. Day one of your, of your trading journey, what's the piece of advice that you wish someone would have been like, hey, before you do this, here's what you need to know? Um, you know what? I think... Uh... I don't. I, it's funny because I don't really have any regrets on the trading asset because I actually because the money that I lost I learned from. So like you said, it's better than going to college for it. Yeah. Um. And and it taught me a lot. So I, I don't have regrets on the losing aspect. Um. I I think that for me when I got into it, um, when I first heard about Bitcoin in fourteen or thirteen, fourteen. I'm sure many people heard about it before then. Um. You know, if the information that was given to me then was you should just do this. And and I don't necessarily ever listen to someone when they say that. But if they had explained to me then exactly what the purpose of it is and what it's going to change, then then I would have understood the technology and I certainly would have shoved a couple dollars that way. Um, I think when I got into the trading aspect um, and I'm and I, as I'm watching the ticker on, on Bittrex and I'm looking at all these uh, these tokens go up and down. I didn't really investigate as to what they were. I mean, some of them, you know, were probably porn tokens. <laughs> some of them were probably weed tokens. I don't know. And I, and I wasn't investigating what they were um, because at that time, what my mentality should, should have been and should be is um, put money into what you believe in, you know, and let, and let it sit there and park it up. Even if it's not a thousand dollars or, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars, even if it's a hundred bucks, because like you said, there's going to be that one thing that that really, you know, does what they say they're supposed to do and, right. and change and revolutionizes the, the, the whole blockchain world. So um, you still trade? Not as not as not as much as I, <clears throat> I did before. No, no. Yeah. And if I am, it's more it's more or less like, OK, I want to buy into Ether or I'll buy because I want to pay someone. In ether, I want to pay someone in Bitcoin. It's it's not more. It's not about trading to make money anymore for me. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, this uh this year I'm actually uh, starting this fiscal year September. 
um, you know, our family, um, we're going to do crypto savings. So what we would normally set aside in a traditional savings account, uh, we're actually going to put that into just Bitcoin and I'm going to gauge the value and how that actually, because we always talk about Bitcoin being a store of value, can't hardly be in the space if you're not going to, you know, walk the talk. Um, Absolutely. So we're, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Obviously I've got a trading portfolio, but this is going to be a crypto savings account. So I'm excited to see how that yeah. all pans out, man. Yeah. And I think that that's great. I mean, obviously we, we know what Bitcoin obviously has, has done for the space. Um, but I think, I think what happens is, I mean, you guys are obviously located in, in Florida. <clears throat> what it is is that people don't realize, especially in the United States, how much, how impactful, uh, something like this really is for other nations and other countries, yeah. um, and other parts of the world. Um, it is a world currency, obviously. So, um, People don't realize the, the, the gravity of it because a lot of people were just getting into it based on I'm going to see the price of it rise up and not really understanding that there are places that the inflation is so bad that, you know, uh, these communities have no choice but to uh, figure out a different way, a uh, different means. So um, For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, as you say, that crypto savings is actually good because putting it putting it to things like Bitcoin will actually I mean, if everyone thought like you, there wouldn't be as much volatility. No. Yeah, well, and we have to find a way to the market's going to stabilize eventually, right? Uh, and it's going to just take time and more people coming in. Um, the ETF being approved might help that a little bit in the long term. Um, but you know, it's we all got to do our, our parts, right? So I'll take my my little bite and hopefully other people can can do the same. Um, dude, so we definitely want to I want to give you some time to talk about uh, about create the creator app and, and get into detail there. Um, but one question that I especially from someone who has achieved success in life. Um, and it's important for everyone to define, I think, but I always like to ask this of people who have, who have achieved, uh, what's your why, right? You've, you've been at the pinnacle. You've, you've been a, a number one selling artist. Um, you have, you have made money, you have traveled the world. Um, you've probably lived a life better than most have, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it now that still is your driving force? What's the why? What motivates you on a day in doubt basis? That's the easiest question in the world to answer. I love it. Um, I, I'll tell you, because <clears throat> no one's ever asked me that question, and, and it's, it's crazy. Um, I, I, I'm going to revert to recent news. I look at someone like LeBron James. LeBron James just obviously launched his I Promise School. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've been a fan. Of, I'm an NBA fan. I die hard. I don't care. I watch every single team, every single, you know, Every single night I watch every single team play. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes I, I get, you know, I'm going to say a lot in, in a little bit of time, hopefully. I get into uh, like an angry moment in life because I feel like there's a lot of people um, who come from places that I come from, who look like I look, but don't have the responsibility, don't take on responsibility. They're more focused and driven on what kind of car they drive. You know, what, you know how many models they, they, they could have sex with, how many bottles they pop in the club. And, you know, earlier in my life, that was a part of my, my facade. Like that was because I, that's all I knew growing up. That's yeah. what I saw the, the people come before me <clears throat> take part in. But you never got to see the good things that they did because they didn't publicize it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, all, all we saw in the videos were, were butt naked chicks and and uh and um lambos no disrespect uh, <laughs> you know um and i think for me 
um, what I realized is that I've had a I've had a I've had a great career, but but it was short lived based on someone who a company who who took from me. Um, and when I went into the creation of the Creator app, um, my my single goal was to give musicians, aspiring musicians, a platform just to record on, just so that they could record without spending thousands of dollars in a the studio. They could use their phone to record on. Um, and that was the goal. Was, it was how do, I, how do I make the space fun and less expensive for people who want to be in it? Um, so for me, my why is easy. My why is I, I've been through a lot in my career and it would be a shame for me not to either A, try to change things that have gone wrong and B, try to make it, uh, uh, you know, to put my stamp on the, on the music industry by making it revolutionizing it. I don't want to say making it easier because it's not, I don't intend to make it easy for anyone. But sure. if I got cheated and robbed um, <clears throat> at the forefront of my career, why would I not try to figure out how to change that process? You know, um, and, and it, it, what's, what saddens me most, and I, and I bring it back, what saddens me most about some people in my own industry is that had they given me the information that they went through when they went through it, I would have been able to navigate better and sure. with my dealings with my company. Um, so my my why right now is specifically just trying to change the forecast for for other people's features. Um, not you know obviously mine my legacy will be baked into that because I, I'll be known as the person who does it. Yeah. But but I will be most happiest when I can say that that. You know, with the, for example, creator apps. I can say I help discover uh, new talent um, with the Tune Token. Um, I can say that I help give an artist transparency so that they never have to worry about where the, where their funding is is coming from. And even if it's one person that benefits and they become a superstar, I, I I will feel like my my legacy has been fulfilled in the music world. Then I can move on to something else. So if someone's an aspiring artist, what uh, what does Creator do for them? How how can how can they find you and, and what help can you be to them? Yeah, so uh, essentially Creator App is a, a, a studio, um, a mobile studio and a production marketplace. So I know it sounds simple, but but it's, it's actually pretty intricate and fun at the same time. Essentially, if you're an aspiring artist, you come on the app, you'll sift through a bunch of production right on the app, download it right from the app, uh, load it into our app studio, hit a button, record your vocals, your singing, uh, you could da your dances, whatever you want to do to to create original content. Uh, once you're done creating that original content, you could actually shoot a video to it and then you could share it all across your social uh, social sites. So the dope thing about it is that it's it's, it's a utility tool for aspiring artists, whether they want to be, you know, uh, the next Justin Bieber or Jay-Z or they just want to have fun in their in their high school or middle school by battling their friends to, to make better songs. Um, it's also a creative tool for people who can't afford to use traditional studios because I see you have a pretty nice uh, condenser mic in front of you and some great gear, but, yeah. but you know, it starts to cost, yeah. it starts to it rack does. up your money. No, absolutely. Right away, it sounded like right when you were explaining how people set their stuff up and how they're able to use it. I'm like, dang, that saves people a lot of money, time, yeah. money, you look. Exactly. And, and, and the re the basis behind it was, you know, um, after being robbed by the record label, I, I, I kind of felt like, OK, how do you stop 
how do you stop people from pumping so much money into something that they may not even want to be a part of? <clears throat> the, the easiest way is to give them access to it um, for, for a fraction of what they would be spending. So the way that the, the, the payment structure works now is that we, we have beats that they can unlock anywhere from $4.99 all the way down to free. Um, so here's the cool fact. So, so $4.99 is the most expensive? Most expensive. Oh, that's that's $4.99, $4. most expensive. Just off the top of your head, do you remember what you paid for the sample for This Is Why I'm Hot? Mil millions. <laughs> millions. That's pretty good savings right there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Millions. Um, um, I, I mean, but I, I'll actually get into it because the co-founder co for, for both, you know, one of my co-founders actually was the producer behind This Is Why I'm Hot. His name is mm -hmm. DJ Blackout. He's from Miami. Yeah. Um, and when him and I discussed like really getting into this project, um, it was we, we're trying to look at it from both sides, not only the artist side, but the producer side. So producers are allowed to come on the app, sign up, put their production on the app and they, they can list between this price range of where they want their, their beats to be. So I think so far we have I want to say we have like a thousand producers that, that have signed up and hopefully more to come. Um, can the they be used by different artists? Absolutely. So. So they, they, so essentially what they're doing is they're unlocking the production. They're not, they're not, they don't have ownership. Artists don't have ownership of the actual production. They're just unlocking it. Um, but what makes it even better is that if, if I go on the app as an artist and I connect with a producer, let's say in, in Spain or Russia, I don't know, and, um, and I like what they're doing, I could easily contact them and say, hey, I love this beat. What's it going to take for me to actually get the real beat in person or record to it? Um, you know, bring it to a traditional studio. So I'm not trying to kill the, the, the actual recording process. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to give you options before you get to that point. Um, and, then, and then some cool things that we do with the app, like we work with a major artist. So we, we'll do this thing called open bars where I'll contact like a, a, a friend of mine who's a major <laughs> artist and I'll say, hey, give me a record that's unfinished. You know, l let me put it on my platform and give these kids that, that are downloading the app the opportunity to record to your song, the best verse, singing, dancing, whatever you feel, we, we can either a elect to give them a prize or give them something, an experience back, so that they can feel like they eat that they're not only a part of your career, but you're helping them along their way as well. So um, that was one of the coolest factors of building the app, and we've been doing that these contests for the last uh, few months now, and they, they've been doing really well. And people people obviously love them because they're winning prizes and they're getting things from it. Sure. Um, and then the other thing is artist discovery. So I kind of get to see who's trending, who's making noise. And I'm not trying to be all in the videos or whatever, as they say, uh, is a cliche. But what I yeah. can do is obviously see who deserves a shot at maybe sitting down with a record label or speaking to a mentor about how they could take their career further. So a lot of different things, man, going on in, in one app. Well, and that, I mean, being that you've been on the other side of that, right? You've been the artist that didn't have the guidance. Uh, I mean, mentorship is everything in life. So if you have 100%. the ability to leverage someone like you, right, I think that's that's a tremendous value. So uh, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to check yeah. it out. I'm I'm not musically inclined, uh, so and I will I will spare anyone recordings of that. That's cool. Uh, you you can go. For, uh, you know what? You can go for the, the free beats and you know freestyle. All you want. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to he's gonna need money. it. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, but but you know what? Here's the cool factor: you you could still be a user who who discovers content and talent, because obviously you have a platform um, that people can be heard on, and you may go on the app and say, I, "I like this, you know, this person from Wisconsin. I don't know where they could be from, but 
you know, maybe there's something I can do to kind of help introduce them to someone. So yeah. we invite everyone on the app, whether they just like to listen to music or whether they can do something to help somebody along the way. That's awesome, man. I think that there's, I mean, just in our industry, the application that I can think of is, is just like little sound bites, the music that we need, whether it's intro or outro music, that kind of stuff. There's always an application. That's really cool. I'm gonna have to get on there and check some of those beats out, man. You know what's so crazy? How cool would it be for you? For, and this is what I say. This is how I say about experiences for people. There's somebody right now that's sitting in front of their phone who can't <laughs> afford to be in a studio, but you may say, hey, I, I, need, a, I need a record intro uh, for my station. And the fact that you're even asking for someone who who has never been asked to do anything before to just be creative and get me something for my for my radio, my you know, my, my the intro to my uh, my podcast or anything like that. It just gives them an opportunity and it doesn't necessarily always. I mean, we have American Idol and and these things and we plan on doing some really huge contests, but it doesn't always have to be big. It could be something as simple as a retweet or posting them on, on uh, Instagram. Uh, I don't know what they call that. Is that retweeting as well? Regramming? <laughs> Re regram. Or regram. Re Re yeah. That it's sounds like a drug term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's, like I said, I'm excited to see what all comes of it, man. We definitely, um, we have enjoyed having you on here. Thank you for making the time for us. Uh, it's been great getting to know you, man. You know? Yeah, it's different. But, yeah, it is. It is. This has been, I mean, this is our, our sixth episode. So we are, I mean, we're, uh, we're an upstart podcast and we're looking to get things going. We, we have found such comfort in the fact that the crypto space has been so welcoming and people Absolutely. such as yourself, like in what other world, we got a rapper in the building talking <laughs> blockchain. Boys. You know what I mean? like, awesome. <laughs> and this is something that like, if you would have told me this in 2006, you're like, yeah, one day you're going to be interviewing them. I'm like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. You know, you, you, but, you know what I, what I love um, the most about like, like this part of my life and the transition <clears> is that, you know, many a times in life you get approached by companies to, to endorse their products. And I've gotten some really great checks um, until I started realizing that like, you know, you're only really in, endorsing someone else's dream. And, and and most of the times, if you don't get equity and you're not a part of a situation, you, you're really getting the short end of the stick. What I love about what I'm doing is that you can do the research on me. This is my company. This is my startup. This is my idea. You know, uh, my team members, we've, we've been collectively in the music space as partners and team members for over, I don't want to say 20 years, I'm getting old, but <laughs> definitely a long time um, of, of music experience. And um, we we didn't know much about technology getting into it. Actually, we knew nothing about it. Um, but the transition has been um, fruitful and and, um, and educational. And it's it's dope for me to actually sit down with, with people like yourselves who are diehard in that world and for me to be able to kind of like share the same vernacular that, you know, and not just be up here as a, hey, yo, what's up? I'm an MC, you know. Because right. I do wear that hat. I, I, I was just doing a tour uh, two days ago, I just flew back in from uh, from uh, Beirut, actually. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, th there's that side of me, and I love to entertain people, but this side right here, I'm passionate about. So, and it's important to show that, man. It's important to show because, like you said, the people people from from where you're from that look like you look growing up, they only see one kind of example. So, you showing a Absolutely. different kind of example is a huge thing. Absolutely, and and there's and there's no. Um, I, I tell you what one of my future goals are, and obviously this is why I brought up LeBron James, the I Promise School, is that it's always actually been my goal 
to figure out how to create an educational program um, for, for, for kids, but, but uh, especially from those that come from my neighborhood, because I, I think the biggest issue in life um, is that a lot of people don't do because they don't know. And they don't know how, you know, they don't know that they can be a part of something. Actually, I'm gonna go back to your question. You asked what I love about crypto and blockchain is that it's, it's one of the first things that has allowed the masses to be a part of it. Um, one of the biggest issues I have in, in, in the VC world is that in order for you to invest in most things, you have to be an accredited investor. Yeah. And I get it. The SEC wants to protect people from being robbed. But when they do that, they also in, uh, prohibit people from actually being a part of history. Right. So it's the cash 22. Um, but this has been one of the, the, the spaces that people are really like changing their lives. And so that's one of the things I respect. And like I was saying, my goal is to create some sort of an educational program to teach people about coding technology and things of that nature from the communities that I come from, because that's never been an industry that, that people have wondered about. It's always music, sports, or selling drugs. It's the, the so, quick money things, the things that they think are going to get them, get them a, a different, a different change of life the fastest. Exactly. Um, but when we look at artists like, like Chameleon Air, uh, Ryan Leslie, we look at Nas and his portfolio and what he just did. Now he's on Forbes uh, list, you know, but we know he's not on Forbes because he's an artist. Right. He's on Forbes because he, he you know, he, he did some good investments, uh, followed some great people in the investment world. So um, I, I just want people in my in my former community, not just that, but anywhere, just sure. to be able to see that you have the ability to do it. You don't have to be limited uh, to just being a, a regular schmegular, as they call them. So uh, we all have we can we can all be great. Man, I think that that's that's a great place to end it off, you know, that because you're right. I mean, we all have that within us. We all have greatness within us. It's just about it's about getting out there and putting one foot in front of the other and making moves towards it, you know. So absolutely. Man, we we really are appreciative of you making time and coming on and talking to us. Um, Leo, is there anything you wanted to wanted to say? No, man, it's just great. It's honestly great to see a rapper in the space. It's great to see people from all different facets of life like enter this space that's part of the reason why like i came in you got people from all over and it's just an exciting time so thanks a lot man it's been it's been great appreciate it. i got a question for you though what's your favorite lamborghini what's my favorite <laughs> uh i don't know i'm a i'm an i'm a fan of aventadors nice okay yeah i, I never had you? a lamb i never i had mean i don't have i don't have one yet so <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I've never had a Lambo. Um, I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm in New York, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I was, I've been a Ferrari kind of guy. There you go. Me oh, too. they're gorgeous. They yeah, are gorgeous. F12 Berlinettas. So, what's, yeah. what's, what's the favorite car that you've had? Um, my favorite. Well, I, I, that's a long story because I've had actually. I don't even get to that. That's okay. Off air, but um, uh, my favorite <laughs> car that I've ever had was actually stolen from me. It was a, a Bentley Continental GT. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorites. I, I love Range Rovers, um, but those were also stolen from me as well. So <laughs> I, I got three cars stolen from me in the same year, which is wow, bizarre story. But but uh, you know, it's life. Well, dude, thank you for coming on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and wrap things up here. But uh, it's been an awesome talk. And it, let people know, man, where can they find you on on social media? Where can they find the Creator App? I'm one of the biggest ghosts in the world, but I do have social media. I hardly ever use it. Um, you can hit me up at Mims Life. So M-I-M-S-L-I-F-E at Mims Life. You can follow 
what what I what I allow people to see to see. But big <laughs> but bigger than me, it's um it's uh the creator app is uh create creator, so it's spelled C R E the number eight T O R dot app. Uh you could check that out. You could also uh uh check out the the token we launched, which is called Tune Token, which is T U N E token dot IO. So Tune Token dot IO. Awesome. Well Mims, thanks for coming on the show and everybody else, be easy out there. Appreciate you.